Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. Hey friends, it's Jake. Welcome to episode three. Today we got to speak to the incredible Alex Woodward, uh, who got picked up in the AFL draft in 2011 by Hawthorne. Uh, where he had the world at his feet. And safe to say, Alex has become one of the most resilient and determined people I think you'll ever come across for what he endured throughout his AFL career. Alex was forced into retirement at the age of 27 due to five ACL injuries. Uh, And it's a pretty amazing story around how he still looks at life with a glass half full and how he's still moving forward in a positive mindset. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for thanks for jumping on, mate. Really appreciate it. That's all right. It's uh, great to have you on the um, Unlaced podcast. It's it's quite funny actually because when I started this podcast, a few people had reached out to me and said, "Mate, you've got to get Alex Woodward on." Um, so uh, it's definitely, um, I'm, I'm definitely uh, flattered that, that people think of me in that sort of light. So, <laughs> yeah. mate, the, the, the pleasure the pleasure is all mine. Um, yeah. Really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me as a guest. Nah, good, mate. Um, it's funny. I didn't expect to, to have you on so early in the podcast. We're on our third episode, which is pretty exciting. But um, I was a witness, I guess, a few weeks ago, like most, watching you on open mic on, on Fox Footy, where you, I guess you're very candid and transparent about the journey you went through and actually thought you handled that really well. You spoke really well. I know Mike probably was throwing a few curveballs and trying to um, get a bit of emotion out of you, but you, you held yourself pretty well. Yeah, I, I think um, the best way to handle those sort of um, scenarios, especially question and answer type situations, it's fairly unscripted. So anything that sort of comes to mind, um, the more natural that it comes across. So yeah, a couple of curveballs, but I was more than ready for it, I suppose. And um, <laughs> yeah. I'm very much an open book with, with my journey. So um, look, that, that opportunity on open mic, and I was, it was quite a resounding sort of um, response with, with so many people watching and, and uh, all the nice words and messages. I was really um, overwhelmed by that and uh, really appreciative as well. Um, but I, I was really glad that a lot of people got something out of it. So uh, yeah. similar yeah. to this, mate, well, it was just a, just a chat and uh, yeah, you had a, few questions for me, but um, like I said earlier, I'm pretty, pretty open with everything. No, that's, uh, I thought you spoke really well, mate. So I think to, to give a bit of context as to why I guess we pumped you up as a, an ideal guest for the show and people that have tuned in to the first episodes are well aware that the, the Unlaced podcast is really more about broadening perspective on the athletes who are in and out of the game and not just focusing generally just on the sporting performance, but the rigors that come with with being a professional athlete and also life after it and, and some of the opportunities and challenges that come with it. And um, I guess your story, your sporting journey is extremely unique and I'll probably cut straight to the chase of going into a little bit around it to give some context to the viewers who may be unaware of um, Alex Woodward and, and the story at hand, but you had a pretty impressive footy journey as a, as a junior player and you got picked up in the, the 2011 draft at uh, pick 53 to, to Hawthorne. And I actually read, I've been reading a couple of your blogs and I noticed that actually when 
it got to pick 50. You mentioned uh, you, you, you had enough of watching it and you went back to your bedroom and your dad came in with a beer saying, mate, don't get down too early. You, you've just been drafted. So, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's spot on, mate. That, that, that moment was, was hilarious for me because I, I suppose I was never touted as a, as a fairly high draft pick. I wasn't, um, you know, invited to any of the academies or anything like that. Um, I always had to sort of work hard for my spots in the teams that I did make. Um, not that any of the other players didn't as well. Um, but it was, yeah, I suppose on the night, I didn't really have an idea where I would go in the draft or if I would get drafted at all. So I sort of gave myself mentally, mm. I'll pick 50 is the limit. If not, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, you got there three picks later. But what, what people, um, just to give some awareness of, is that obviously at that point, you, you've had your dream come true and you've gone to one of the greatest football teams in the modern era. Um, and 10 years later, uh, at the age of 27, you've retired from footy due to experiencing five ACL injuries, which um, is, you know, unheard of in some regards. And, and probably to the average athlete and human, it would probably fair to say it would, it would break them in their own right. But I think having spoken to you and, and knowing people around you, it's fair to say it's probably made you a pretty strong person. And I just wanted to set that context for some people who maybe aren't aware of the journey of Alex, but um, really keen to go back to, I guess, the start of when you got drafted to Hawthorne um, and what that, that feeling was like getting drafted into what was a pretty awesome team at the time um, and obviously having your AFL dream come true. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we touched on that night, which was, you know, fantastic in a way that um, it was almost like a bit of a, a roller coaster that night, in a sense, from disappointment to elation fairly quickly. So, um we got, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm the definition of almost a, a local draft pick, really. I, I went to school at Mazenod. Waverley Park was where the Hawks played. So it was all, and I lived in Noble Park. So it was all within a 5K radius of, right. of each other, really. Um, so, yeah, I suppose when you get drafted, the first thing you sort of want to do is make a fairly good impression early. Um, what, you know, want to want to make sure that you listen, um, be willing to take in information and, and ask a lot of questions as well. That, that's how I approach my... My first pre-season when I was there worked really hard. I obviously had a lot of deficiencies and areas that I needed to improve on in order to get um, considered for a game. Um, but I, I identified that, look, oh, again, pick 53, once you're in the system, it doesn't matter what number you are. Um, everyone's sort of on a level playing field. So I knew that my strengths were, I had a fairly good work ethic. Um, I, I thought I had a, a pretty good mindset um, walking into the football club. Um, but yeah, so I was lucky enough that, that first season to be um, considered for a, what, what was back then a NAB Cup game. So um, That's the, the pre-season, pre right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I was considered for the first couple of games, which is fairly huge for Hawthorne back then because they weren't really in a position of, of blooding young players. <laughs> um, as you touched on, they were sort of in they the were stacked. themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were stacked from the midfield to the back line to the forward yeah. line. So. Good luck trying to break into that team, especially when they were healthy. Yeah. Um, but look, that that was you know amazing feeling, even though those games didn't necessarily count career-wise. Mm. Um, to me, they still meant quite a bit. And, and there were opportunities to really prove myself on a platform leading into the AFL um, season. So, look, unfortunately, five minutes into one of those games, I, I did my first ACL in a tackle. Um, what, what many people don't realise is that I actually tore ligaments in the same, um, tore ligaments in my left ankle, sorry, in the same tackle. So, um, yes, I did my right ACL. 
Um, but at the same time, did ligaments in, in my left ankle. So it was sort of offsetting the, the pain in my right knee. I was more feeling the, the left ankle. So when I came off, um, after playing a couple more minutes, not being quite right, um, I, I told the physios that, look, my, my left left ankle's cooked. I, I, I need to get it strapped up again. So, something's going on. I can't. So you didn't mention your knee, really? Uh, I, I mentioned it right at the end. It was right. like, oh, by the way, my, my knee feels a bit funny as well. <laughs> um, so they um, almost ignored the ankle and then just went straight to the knee, I suppose, in terms of... Uh, body parts i suppose the knee is a lot more important when you when you say or, or, or mention something that's that's injured mm. um so they did a, a couple of tests and, and shook their head and said look your day's done um we probably need scans on monday because we can't confirm it on the day they, they just couldn't quite tell if it was confirmed acl tear um so yeah that that plane ride back home because we were playing in tasmania um that day um it was pretty upsetting because i felt like I, it was an opportunity missed Mm. Um, and then I was sort of left in the dark a little bit until Monday come scans and then everything got confirmed and then everything sort of happened fairly quickly after that with surgery and everything. So that, that was ACL number one. Um, but also, um, yeah, my first season as a whole um, at, at the Hawks was, was a little bit disappointing, but I, I still felt post-surgery, I still felt, look, there's opportunity there to be um, a student of the game, even though I couldn't really perform on field. Um, I still, I still wanted to ask questions. Still wanted to, you know, evolve as a player, even though I couldn't necessarily kick the footy. So um, it, it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty um, ignorant of me not to use the wealth of knowledge around me with the likes of Sam Mitchell, Luke Hodge, you know, Brad Sewell, Jordan Lewis. You know, the name names go on and on. Sean Burgoyne and that Hawthorne team, just for, for context, yeah, you won four flags in ten years in that period and you were right in the thick yeah. of it when you got drafted. So it was pretty elite environment. Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. And then so so I suppose my, my career span there was was roughly five five years and they made four grand finals. So that in itself was you know, just <laughs> yeah. to be in that presence was was pretty surreal. Yeah. Um, but I still think that first season wasn't necessarily a write off even though I was 18, 19. Um, and didn't play a game necessarily. So I, I still felt like that season was, was really important for me. Um, but unfortunately, my, my second ACL came 10 months later. So I, I was I just about to say, because after your first one, um, you, you, had you had really many significant injuries before that going in? Because I know you no, played well, Danny Dragons um, and Vic Metro and you had a pretty clean run into the AFL, didn't you? Yeah, it's not, nothing to, untoward. Like when I was when I was sixteen, I had a little tiny clean out, which put me out for you know a couple of weeks. Um, but in terms of continuity and, and being pretty durable with my footy, um, that was something that was you know something I, I was pretty proud of. Um, but yeah, so all, all these long term injuries was fairly foreign to me. Um, you know, being told that you're out for the season, you know, it's a bit of shock and awe, really. Um, mm. You know, whole season goes by, you can't really kick a footy um, out on the field with your teammates. And as I got older and as each ACL went by, it was like, well, you know, this is my job. Yeah. Um, and I'm not necessarily doing my job to the best of my ability. So that, that those sort of thoughts started to sink in. Um, but thankfully, look, I still had, had moments where um, I still got the best out of myself, even though... A lot of it was off-field. Um, On-field, I, I still think I performed as well. That's actually one of the things that 
uh, impresses me the most about you is every athlete and person around sport will know that what makes the athlete happy is playing or competing. So when you can't, you're, you're at a bit of a, you're a bit of a shell of yourself because you're, you're not doing what you love every day and, and you're being restricted. And especially when you're injured, you're in a bit of a lonely space. Um, but something you kind of epitomize, and I know you've spoken about before is how, even though it was your first year and you're pretty down and out and, um, from, from your injury and were limited with playing, you, you mentioned you didn't want to be the negative guy in the room or, or bring the atmosphere of a great environment down. You were still like, well, I can still be positive. I can still get something out of this which is a pretty unique perspective and way to look at it when you're an 18, 19 year old kid. Cause I know when I was playing and I had bad injuries, it definitely wasn't that it was more like, Oh, I'm the victim. Um, whereas you took it the other way. And can you give some perspective yeah. into, I guess what that, that view was like? I suppose it's, um, yeah. And, and the way that you saw your injury is not necessarily a foreign thing either. I think the way that I approached it's more the, the outlier. Um, and, th- and that speaks a little bit, to my personality at the time, but a lot of it was optimism. So I don't know. I felt like the way I distracted my negativity was, you know, through being overly positive. Was it, was it a mask at the time? Yeah, maybe. Um, Mm. Because as I got older, I learned to deal with the negative side a bit better. Whereas being overly positive was good, um, but also led to me being, you know, fairly drained at times as well. You know, you Mm. can only be upbeat, for so long and, and, you know, not accept that the fact that, you know, you, you're out for 12 months and you really want to be out there and have an opportunity to play AFL footy. Um, when I was 18, I was like, look, if I tick this box, I'm one step closer. Um, maybe they'll consider to play me this year or something, you know, it was sort of that being naive. Still uh, positive, right? <laughs> yeah, still positive. And look, it, it, it really resounded me with, um, um, the way I attacked my rehab, I was really positive with my rehab, um, made sure that I did everything really um, diligently. Um, but yeah, I, I never planned to, you know, break down again 10 months later. Mm. But surprisingly, that that positivity with that second recase still shone through. So I was, okay, I, I know what I did wrong. Um, I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to do it better, which is really, it's at crazy. the time I was, it, it, it was a little bit different. And, and I had a few players talk to me at the time saying, look, you need to, um, sort of accept the fact that look, it's okay to feel down um, and all that sort of stuff. And I was at, at the time I was saying, yeah, don't worry, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Um, but now that I look back on it, I was were you masking sort of it a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I was pushing it aside a little bit. But that's you know, eighteen, nineteen again, still naive, wanting to get back out on the footy field. But um, I, I was still really adamant that I could have some sort of a career here. Um, and you were touching on, look, if I'm positive, if I'm doing things um, off field, I can still get noticed by the coaches and players as, mm. a, as a person of the footy club that they want to have around, mm. so to speak. So when you get drafted, you get a two-year contract. Um, that, that's what it was back then. Um, so my two years essentially were right off playing-wise. Um, I, I, yeah, so I, I earned another contract through, you know, the way I attacked my rehab. The, my um, persona around the footy club and, and that's a pretty unique way to, to earn another sort of contract in a, in a footy environment. Can, can you explain to us, I guess, obviously the first year, my perspective on this is you've, you've had a bit of a heartbreaking moment in the first game, but the optimism really around your AFL career is still well and truly there because it's year one, 
you got another year in your contract, you're in a great environment. And it's, you kind of say that in your first year, you were really just absorbing as much information and intelligence from the superstars in the change room. And you're probably around yeah. the footy club a lot that first year, but can you explain, I guess, as you're building up and you overcame some of the key hurdles to get back into pre-season number two um, and then ACL number two, what that whole journey and experience was like for you? Yeah, um, for sure, mate. It was, well, it was, it was fairly interesting. It was a bit of a whirlwind at the time. And I felt like the way I distracted myself and accepted the fact that, you know, year one was going to be a write-off. I had a lot of players, coaches and, and, and staff and even fans thought, look, a year in the gym wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. You know, that, that's the sort of response that you'd get. Yeah. Um, wasn't the response that I wanted. <laughs> well, you know, I'd rather be playing football and, and that sort of stuff. But that, again, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. You, know, um, you see mature age players get drafted now at 25 and, and have, you know, um, substantial careers. So I wasn't necessarily too stressed at that age about my longevity in the AFL system or, or my career as a whole it was more the fact that oh that's a bit disappointing i won't be able to play this year which is again um pretty pretty um i suppose broad in a way that i, I accepted it um but throughout that first season i always carried a notebook around i was very much like i touched on before student of the game um each game i had a specific player that i wanted to watch and, and write down his attributes positives, negatives, RFIs, what I wanted to get out of um, that game and, and sort of aspects that I'd really admired about that certain player. Um, and, and that was really interesting because that was, you know, the first time I sort of watched a footy game in that sort of perspective. You know what I mean? When, mm. when you're a kid and even a teenager, you watch a game, you just watch the contest and it's like, wow, this is, you know, crash and bash and it's really <laughs> exciting. Whereas if you really focus your narrow... Um, sorry, focus and narrow your perspective and view on the game for certain things. Um, it just makes viewing football a whole lot different. So that first year I did that, second year I did that as well. Um, but my second year after um, obviously breaking down again after 10 months, um, I sort of made sure that I had some time off as well. Whereas throughout that first ACL, I was basically a 10 month slog. Yeah. Um, and that probably wasn't really that healthy for me. Even, you know, basically went from pre-season rehab for 10 months into straight into another pre-season. Um, no real time. Long stop, right? Uh, yeah, other than a couple of weeks where I went overseas or something. But I was still thinking about, oh, I, I want to play footy. It's that mental, um, so, that kind of mental block, isn't it? That that refresh that yeah. you get mentally. Yeah. And it was, like a, it was like a carrot for me or a finish line, so to speak. Um, and I was so close. To, to playing again and you know when I broke down it was actually um when I broke down in that for, for my second ACL sorry um it was actually in a practice match so I was basically back to, to full training and, and everything like that so um that that was pretty pretty disappointing I think um you know there's a few photos of me actually crying and stuff because on the on that day there just happened to be I think uh, channel nine or so you know a few reporters there so it was just a bit um, you know, a bit of bad timing, but I knew straight away as well when, when I collapsed. And it was a really good learning moment for me um, it, in, in a specific way in the, in the fact that I thought I was the same player that I was when I got drafted, whereas I, I wasn't necessarily thinking about, hang on, oh, my right knee has gone through an ACL reconstruction. I should be a little bit more cautious 10 months post 
surgery. Right. Um, and again, me as a as a young teenager, being a young um, boy. Yeah, just naive again. I was oh, I can't so eager to get back in there, and this is the first time I can really you know let loose. I'm not that same sort of player, um, even though I was pretty close to it. There's got there's got to be an element though of like, and I know you've been through a few, and I, I know what you're talking about because you probably uh, I think you mentioned this with the second one. You did a maneuver that you probably wouldn't normally do, and I reckon you you were a bit harsh on yourself in saying you're a bit naive because I reckon blokes do stuff like that and they come off scot free. Um, yeah, it just happened for you. Maybe you didn't, but you know, I could have done that and been fine, and you could have do it again and you could be fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Uh, yeah. And I've um, as as time went on, I've learnt that. You know, some, some long-term injuries in, you know, in, in this um, certain case ACLs, you know, wrong player, wrong time, you know, wrong scenario. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's just right. a bit of bad luck. And, and I know it's not the answer to everything, but um, if I overthought it um, and really blame myself too much, you know, I'll probably be in a pretty bad headspace and, and probably be you know, a different person to what I am now. So um, even though I was 19, I was pretty accepting of the fact that, look, that was that scenario push that aside and we, we go again yeah because just with the um I, I wanted to make a comment before I, I speak on the i guess post second acl was you speak it's actually incredible for me how your perspective when you were injured in year one was to get a notebook and focus on a player of the opposition every day i reckon that's just awesome i, I don't reckon people yeah. do that enough in, in other codes when they're injured to go for a like for like player or for someone that they want to be like and go how good or where are their flaws and pick them apart i think that yeah. level of detail i actually find that really impressive mate that's yeah well i think we see um there's a that gold coast player matt Rao, who, who yeah came <laughs> little notebook which i was like hey oh, I actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that anyone captured it but the coaches and players knew that i, I did that um but yeah I, I felt like it was uh really beneficial to me it was just a different way of viewing the game um, and sometimes i took opposition analysis meetings um i thought that was uh again an, another little avenue of, of developing my game even that was off field um, i only took a couple meetings spoke about some certain players that i watched you know the week before um got a little bit more um you know insight into how the club holistically works in the build-up to a game on the weekend you know what i mean so mm. um i developed some really good relationships with coaches and and, and staff as well support staff um and, and again that that sort of extends into you know my reputation at the footy club as a whole you know not just the players the coaches had a pretty good idea of what type of person i was and, and so did the support staff so yeah. um if end of the day after my two-year contract after getting first drafted if that was going to be the little um you know the little thing that sort of gets me over the line for another contract you know it does do wonders yeah so just um the the moment after you did your second acl obviously it's it's heartbreaking you mentioned you're in tears and um i, I was i've read something and i just wanted clarification on, on whether this was true but I, I read something that when you went back in the change room you were you were that gutted and obviously you, you were trying to build yourself up to tell your old man what had happened. Uh, and that must've been a pretty hard phone call to have. But then on top of that, uh, I think your old man obviously didn't take it too well either because he was a bit gutted as well. And then I think Luke Hodge, who may have been the captain of the time or one of the big leaders of the club came sort of came in to check on you and offered to speak to your dad on your behalf, which must've been a, a pretty 
unique moment in itself. So can you give us some perspective and yeah. understanding of what yeah, happened? So there? That's, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a hundred percent true. Look, look, probably won't remember that, um, <laughs> but that, that it's definitely a moment that sticks with me. Um, obviously after getting injured on field, I got helped off by the trainers um, with ACL injuries. I'm not sure um, if the listeners um, know, but a lot of the time it's just instant pain. Um, and then after, you know, a good 30 to 60 seconds, you can sort of hobble off. Um, but you, your knee slowly starts to you know, swell up and um, get restricted. So um, I, I was helped off the field by some trainers, went straight to the doctor's room, put some ice on my knee. It was fairly certain that it was another ACL tear, the way, the way it felt, the mechanism, um, and even the test that they did straight away. So... I was putting ice on my knee and grabbed my phone and look, I, I went to, to call dad straight away um, because he was a bit worried on the actual day knowing that there was a scratch match on. He just told me to take it a little bit easy. Mm. Um, so as soon as I called him, he sort of he sort of knew something was a bit different. You know, 10.30 phone call on a training day um, and I couldn't really get the words together. So um, I was sort of crying already on the phone um, and then dad, dad was like, oh no, what's happened? Um, thankfully Luke, Luke walked in and I said, mate, can you, can you just talk to my dad? I can't really uh, <laughs> talk to him at the minute because he's, he's pretty upset on the phone as well. So, uh, yeah, Hodgie, um, had a chat to my dad and then next thing I knew, you know, dad was down at the club and I was, um, you know, in the, in the coach's room or I think the, the welfare manager's room, um, just having a chat. Um, and then, and then, yeah, everyone sort of. You know, got, got around me with my teammates and my family and stuff. So, um, yeah, that, that, that phone call by Hodgie actually meant a lot to me. So that was a good, nice little that, moment. And, that's and, uh, that's, that's incredible. Good. It's um, yeah. something you don't hear about every day and probably not the average person would, would have known that story. So I did want to bring that up just to get that understanding because it's pretty impressive by Hodgie. And even for a young yeah. kid, I can imagine spurting those words out. Um, you know, second ACL done. I'm not sure what the road ahead looks like. Must have been pretty hard. I, I couldn't speak more more highly of Hodgie. I think we've uh, that was sort of the foundation of a you know, pretty good friendship that we have now. Um, we still touch base every now and then, but um, I suppose the mutual respect sort of um, really built and, and grew from moments like that. Um, and yeah, it was uh, yeah, I suppose a nice little story to to share with people that didn't know that. Yeah, one of one of the other things I was, um, I guess, really interested on, and you mentioned this a couple of times um, before, and I, I've watched a little bit of obviously open mic was what I mentioned, but you talk about rehab, and I know obviously the mental health aspect of going through an injury is something really unique and challenging, and a bit of a lonely and vulnerable period. But you speak about attacking your rehab as it's much of a a mental battle as it is a physical battle. Uh, can you give some understanding of what you mean by that? Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Look, um, like I touched on before, I think as I got older, I started to understand my surroundings a little bit more, my, my position that I was in. Um, so after the first two Ricos, uh, you know, you, you grow up. I, I was lucky enough to um, get some footy in between the third one, which was nice. <laughs> um, so once that third Rico um, came about, I, I was a bit more old. I was a bit older. Um, I understood that, okay, I'm, I'm going to be feeling pretty down about this. Um, and I was more accepting of, of the position that I was in um, from a negative point of view. I've got a lot of sympathy, which wasn't necessarily something that I wanted either. A lot of people saying sorry. Um, 
whether they like it or not, there's not too many people that go through multiple ACLs. So there's a there's a minute sort of community that can understand exactly how it feels. Um, and I was just making sure that, you know, third time round, fourth time round, fifth time round, rehab wise, um, that I was understanding that it was going to be a roller coaster more so with the, the mental side of things and the emotions. I knew physically I could do rehab because I'd already done it twice. Um, so there was no reason why I couldn't do it again um, and, you know, to the best of my ability as well and get back out there and playing footy. That was never um, a what if or, or, or a doubt to me. Um, it was yeah. more like, okay, how do I find the passion, um, the want, you know, the determination to you know, pick myself up each day, get myself out of bed and, and you know, do, do rehab in a sense. Same four walls, um, same sort of exercises, same laps again um, for countless days until I'm in a position where I need to be fairly confident in kicking a footy and, and, and playing without any doubts. Look, it's pretty daunting. Um, but again, I was, I was accepting of the fact that um, some days are going to be pretty good, some days are going to be pretty bad. Uh, I think um, me embracing those bad days and... The bad days were as simple as, look, I'm telling my rehab coach, um, who was Phil at Hawthorne, um, we're still really good mates now. Um, The the bad days were as simple as, look, I'm not feeling it today. Do you mind if I go home and spend time with my family? Yeah. They gave you that flexibility to kind of, yeah. yeah, And I think it was really important because the club was really understanding um, because they knew I wasn't necessarily the type of person to... Um, you know, pull out of a, a rehab session. So if I wasn't feeling too well, if, if I wasn't really going to get much out of that rehab session anyway, quality was if I, if I was performing in, in a headspace that was pretty down and out and I didn't really want to be there. Yeah. Um, I think it was really important for me to, to have distractions outside of rehab. Um, and even even on the good days where, where I would do my rehab session, sessions really well, I've really narrowed my focus. I was like, okay, I'm going to spend two hours at the footy club, um, get the most out of myself, you know, push myself to the limit. As soon as I'm done, I'm, I'm going to uni or I'm, I'm going back home for a little bit because I don't need to spend nine hours here. Yeah. Uh, whilst, you know, the boys are getting ready to play a match on the weekend. Um, but, and, and those days were good as well, um, you know, because usually I'm, I'd say in my first couple of years, I'd almost be first one there, last one to leave, even though I was in rehab. So again, it's a bit training. Yeah, people people don't really understand that when you're injured, it's not necessarily a breathing period. It's usually you're working harder than other players to get back out there. And and even the the physical battle, but it's also the mental battle that you take it off the field of like, you're still carrying the pain, you're still sitting on the couch icing, you're doing all... Extra little Just things. Little things and, you know, next next minute you, you get there at seven and you're getting home at, you know, five, six and you're actually not playing on the weekend. It's crazy. And you've spent the whole day um, rehabbing an injury. Look, there's going to be um, moments where, like I said, you're going to have good days and those days fly by, but then there's going to be days where it drags on and you, you're alone in your headspace for a while, which is, you know, they're the hardest days, I reckon. Um, mm. But again, you just got to be willing to to accept those down days. You know, pick yourself back up again and see how the next day goes. You had, I guess, a bit of a climax between ACL two and three, and it was in year three, right? So you've you've started to get some some games together. You've got some consistent um, 
I guess, fitness and confidence within your knees and body. Um, and Clarko's called a team meeting and, and told everyone that Alex Woodward's going to be uh, playing his first game against Sydney Swans at the MCG. Can you speak us through that moment after two ACLs and all the uncertainty and I guess the, the period you went through where you were alone and rehabbing to have that moment? What was that like? Yeah, mate, it was uh, probably one of the best moments of my life, really. Um, look, that, that transition from, you know, second ACL into, okay, playing, oh, I've got a green light now. Um, that was a really, a really fun period for me because I, I, was, I just felt like I was 18 again, um, you know, playing almost like a new recruit, um, no real restrictions other than, you know, game time a little bit. But I, I was sort of told, just play footy, try and, try and get your hands on the ball. And that's what I did for the majority of the season. I, I really, you know, made my focus simple on field, tried to contribute as much as I could to the team, you know, show, show my strengths as a contested player um, in and under the packs. Um, thankfully, you know, with the continuity came form as well. So... I did have a few little slight hiccups with, you know, a few minor injuries here and there, but compared to what I had gone through long-term injury-wise, you know, to miss a week here or there didn't really mean too much for me. Um, when I was on field, really enjoyed my footy. Again, thankfully, you know, Box Hill were almost as, excess, as successful as, you know, Hawthorne. So the twos were really strong side as well. So we were going deep into finals, um, having really strong form runs throughout the season um, and, and had really good camaraderie and team teamwork with one another. Um, the game plans were seamless as well. So everyone was on the same page. Um, but when it came to obviously hearing the news that my form was good enough to debut, um, my best mate was, was Max Bailey, who really took me under his wing rehab-wise for my first couple of seasons. So he retired um, the season before, um, but I, I, I took his number... 39 um, at the start of that that season so for him to present me the jumper and say some kind words um, was really nice and, and meant a lot to me as well so uh, I think that moment was was pretty surreal and, and something that I'll, I'll always remember um, the, the actual debut in itself was a bit of a blur but that's okay you, you know you're in front of 70,000 to 80,000 fans against Sydney who was a powerhouse team as well right. at the time Fortunately, back then, there was this substitution rule, so I didn't get on until the third quarter. So you had the nervous weight of not just getting yeah. the debut, but then sitting on the bench waiting for the vest to come off. Yeah, I, I hated that vest because I was just like itching, itching on the interchange bench. I hated um, that rule. <laughs> oh, but yeah, thankfully, it's, it's not there anymore. But, yeah. Um, you know, debut's a debut, and I was still able to at least get a touch. Um, but the main thing was that you know the team got the win, and... I was in the, the middle of the circle and uh, my family was there as well. My dad was really proud. My mom was really proud my sister as well. So, um, you know, that, that holistically, and, and that's something that people don't understand that with, with getting back onto the field, um, you know, I, I know that I'm doing, you know, rehab solo, so to speak, but there's a whole team behind me, you know, really supporting me and, and wanting the best for me and making sure that throughout rehab, I'm not, necessarily alone or um you know almost being a distraction themselves so my family were huge uh, phil my rehab facilitator was huge and um my friends as well so um uh, even though i you know debuted solo as well just me out on the field um, mm. with my teammates you know, i had a lot of uh, 
pretty pretty big support base that are you know almost we're waiting for that moment as well it kind of makes all those uh, all the tough moments worth it pushing through and persevering when you get the elation of what you're there for and everyone around you who's been impacted by the injuries and seeing you uh, i guess a bit down and out and not yourself all the time they reap the rewards and benefits too um and that's probably what uh, i guess the average person in and around sport don't really understand is that your family and friends feel the feel the pain and they almost absolutely. go through a bit of the injury sorrow too don't they um yeah absolutely spot on there mate look um, you know, my, my family and friends probably saw me at my worst post-surgery. Um, you know, a lot of the unseen stuff where I'm, you know, icing 12 to 16 hours a day, you know, not, not getting a whole lot of sleep. I, I was actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I have adverse reactions to painkillers, so I don't, didn't really have any of that post-surgery. So uh, in a lot of pain uh, and th- they were able to see that side of things. And also my down days, you know, the days where I left the club early, wanted a distraction that they were there for that as well. So um, even though um, people, people don't probably recognize them as much. Um, I think it's pretty important that when I do get a chance to recognize them on a you know, pretty open platform like this, or um, when I'm speaking publicly, um, they get the recognition they deserve as well. So um, no, very thankful, very grateful that they were able to put up with me, even though it was, you know, could have been a little bit annoying as well. <laughs> No, I'm glad you, you got to taste what it was like at the top and you couldn't have probably played in a bigger game on the MCG in front of that many people. Um, and I know then that the week after you played again um, and then given the the strength of Hawthorne at the time, it was probably pretty hard to maintain a spot in that team. Um, but then you went, you went back to the twos in Box Hill and, and then number three um, ACL happened. And I guess at that point of time when that happened, it, did you ever... I'm keen to understand whether the doubt started to come in of whether this is what you actually wanted to do and whether you wanted to go through that process again. Did that ever factor in? Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, that debut season, I was able to finish that season, which was which was quite nice. So, it was probably the first first time in a long time I felt like I was back. Um, right. Didn't really have any worries, which was fantastic. Hawthorne won a... Um, grand final that year as well so I felt like I was a part of those celebrations for, for once, so, you, so you played that whole season then yeah I played, oh, that, so whole you played that whole season right yeah so 2014 I actually got a whole season out which is fantastic oh that's awesome so you played the rest of the year in Box Hill Box Hill yep yeah. and Box Hill went to the finals couldn't quite um, win the grand final unfortunately but um, the AFL team were able to to win the grand final that season. Um, come 2015, which was uh, my fourth year in the system, um, you know, it was a bit of a challenge for me to sort of cement a spot in that side or, or put my hand up um, as consistently as possible. So, again, you just touched on, you know, they're fairly stacked in the midfield. You've got multiple Australians and, and a Brownlow medalist in there. Um, you know, good luck trying to break into that midfield. But I, I never thought, thought of it that way. I thought it was a good challenge to really put pressure on the selection panels, you know, yeah. um, put them in a position where they had no choice but to pick me. So it was emergency most weeks. Um, but I had a pretty open and honest conversation with Clarko about look, the likelihood of me needing to be a, a dual position player. So I need to play a little bit more forward, impact the game that way. Um, and probably in that season, I was starting to really evolve as a player, which right. was, you know, a nice feeling. I never thought I could be 
you know, a pretty dynamic forward. Um, and, and that's the nature of the AFL industry. Now, you've got to be able to play multiple positions. Right. Um, likelihood of you being a pure defender, midfielder or forward, you know, they're pretty rare spots to hold down. Um, so as I started to develop as a forward, you touched on, I, I went down again um, for my third ACL. Was it, was it um, a moment where I, I had my first sort of self-doubt? Um, probably not. It was probably the first time I felt um, you know, really angry about the whole situation. I thought those ACL injuries were, were past me. Um, that third ACL, I just felt like, again, we, we sort of touched on it before with wrong place, wrong person, wrong time, that certain spot on the field and that certain mechanism. You know what I mean? I, I didn't, again, I didn't blame myself for the moment. I was just disappointed that it just happened. You know, it had to happen to me um, who had a history of two other ACLs in, in his career. Um, but again, I didn't want to um, have those moments too often where I'm poor me, you know, I, I, I didn't really. It's, hard, it's hard not to do that sometimes. Yeah. Though. And people don't, I, I've never done an ACL uh, touch wood, but I've experienced being around a lot of players that have done them. And the players that I've seen do them, for me, I would say it's almost a bit of a life-changing injury because it's, it really does change how you move, how you recover, your yeah. mental aspect. And then even coming back, I mean, I've seen players do ACLs one time and they've maybe lost a yard or they've lost a bit of a you know, change of pace or, or how they turn and shift. They've, they've had to reshape themselves as a bit of a player. Um, so for you to go through, I guess, leading into, was it season four? Um, yeah. And then the third one happened. Did you, did you ever start to see, I guess, your, the way you were attacking footy and the way you thought you were going to play? Did that ever change or were you still the same player through all the injuries? No, I really, I suppose, um, it probably doesn't look good on paper that I kept, you know, re reoccurring this ACL injury. So that, did that contribute to, to me constantly doing my ACL? No, because my mindset was... Um, very specific in rehab. I wanted to come back in a way that I never left. And that, that's sort of how I approached my rehab and how I attacked my, my game style right from the first game back. So um, I knew a standard that I wanted to play at. Look, I'm not the quickest player. I know my strengths, but also know the weaknesses that I want to get better at. Um, not, not for a second. And that's, again, my personality. Not for a second that I think, okay, I've got to evolve as a player and not, be able to do this I, I did create new habits so mm. um for example even though i'm, I'm not a, a tall player I, i'd probably be less inclined to try and you know jump into a pack to try and take a mark um i knew that i'd probably better be better suited on the ground and waiting for the crumbs so that, that's probably an example of one thing but um but i did build new habits and rehab so it wasn't the fact that i needed to eliminate a certain attribute of my game I just needed to evolve it. So my side steps, my agility and all that sort of stuff needed to make it really tight knit. Um, again, make it, a, make it a good habit thing rather than having long levers. Yeah. I think that these are terms that we use in, um, in sporting aspects, but um, I knew that if I had wider stances when trying to change direction, I was pretty vulnerable um, and, and my ACL would have been under a fair bit of stress. So, um, look, I, I took those sort of habits and made sure that I did them, you know, 10, 20 times before getting back out there on the field. Um, but yeah, I, I never thought, I never had self-doubt. I, I think that's something I've prided myself on as well. Yeah. Um, I made sure, that, 
you know, when I did return, I was impactful and, and you know, going to contribute to the team. What were you like off the field when you had those injuries? How did you, you know, in short, keep sane uh, without um, sort of losing your mind? What were you keeping yourself busy? How, how were you yeah. as a person? Were you down and out or were you always upbeat? Yeah, I think that's that's a really good question because um, I'd like to say I've almost got a split personality, really. So uh, on field, I'm really competitive. So a little, little bit of white line fever as well. I get a little bit angry. Um, off field, I'm quite mellow and keep to myself a bit. And usually, um, they're the scary ones, the ones that are quiet off the field. Yeah. <laughs> very well, yeah. yeah. Well, um, when it came to on field, I, like that footy was mine. So when I saw the ball, you know. I made sure that no one else was going to sort of try and beat me to it. And that, that was a pretty good mindset to have as a contested on baller. Um, but off field, I, I think um, what what um, I really had the benefit of was was a lot of time to create really good networks. Um, and I made sure that I made some good relationships with some, some pretty important people at, at the footy club and, you know, some members and... Um, some bo- um, some board members as well. Um, the people that you know, behind the scenes had a lot of impact on the footy club. I think that was really important to me. Um, ag- again, sort of built my reputation that, as a person at the footy club as well. Um, but networking was one thing that I, I really enjoyed doing, having a coffee with someone. Um, and then, you know, that opened doors into you know, potential business uh, and employment opportunities. Um, well, were, you, were you already well. planning... Uh, not planning, but I guess were you already looking outside of football at that point, or were you always just I need to get back and play footy? Uh, I, th- I think after as I got older, so as I exited you know, the teenage years, yeah, um, I got my head around having a contingency plan. So I became really aware of the fact that you know AFL is not going to last forever. Um, you know, it's pretty rare for players to have ten plus year careers. So um, I delved into uni, um, but understood that look. I can be really committed to my football, um, but off field I can, you know, commit my commit another passion elsewhere as well. So um, uni was big, um, networking as I as I touched on, but also made sure that I had a lot of family and friends time as well. So did that keep me sane off field? Yeah, it did because I didn't really think about footy, um, which was probably a main aspect. Um, my first couple of years I was probably too much involved in in that headspace of, of thinking about footy too much. As I got older, more mature, um, I found a really good balance. Yeah. So you did some you did some study as well, didn't you? You always kind of were quite active in that, even from sounded like the early years um, of your footy career. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't necessarily something I enjoyed. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Does anyone? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, after year twelve, I swear I was like, "Thank God." And then <laughs> you know, I'm in uni, so I'm back at school. Um, yeah, I felt like it was a really good distraction. Now I think um, I did have did have passions other than footy. So, real estate was one. So I studied um, business management and real estate at uni, um, thinking that you know maybe I could be a real estate agent one day. Obviously, as we know now, I'm a, I'm a mortgage broker. Um, didn't quite you know once my career ended, I didn't think I quite had the personality to be a mortgage. I mean, uh, a real estate agent. So I sort of use that. Um, use that study in a way that how, how can I still have a passion um, in that real estate market? So now, now I basically just work on behalf of the buyer, organize their home loan and still be involved in the process. That's, that's crazy, mate. So 
just to to get to where you are now from the the Hawthorne experience where you, you obviously went through your third ACL and I'll be honest, I don't know many people that would have kept going. There's, I know there's been a couple in your position that have, but I think the average person may have thrown it in then and there, but you decided no, you wanted to keep tracking on and you still thought, thought you had more to offer and more to give to the game. So from, from that point, you ended up uh, heading into the Collingwood VFL. Is that correct? Yeah. So that, that third ACL, um, probably the difference with that one was um, I really didn't put a time limit on it. So I think that third ACL was 15 months, which is quite long. Right. Um, but I really wanted to take my time. I had a lot more time off. So I went on a couple of holidays, right. which was really important. Pressure yeah. me up. So I made sure that rehab third time around were, were in certain blocks and, and was mapped out in a certain way. Um, you know, ticking or getting past a certain checkpoint would mean, you know, I'm going to going on a holiday. And then when I, when I get back, I can attack my next phase of rehab. Then after, you know, that block, I can go away again for a couple of weeks and not have to be at the footy club. And then I knew that my final block of rehab was building up into playing games. So I was really mentally excited about the fact that, Oh, I'm actually not that far away now. Uh, I think, which was really important. Um, was that something also, Hawthorne implemented or was that kind of you brought that up through experience? You're like, it, it helps my rehab process if I get away yeah. for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think um, it really helped with my second rehab, even though I only went away for a little bit with my second ACL. My third one, I was like, no, no, I need a couple of them and I need them for one or two weeks, no. um, which was you know pretty important. Once I went away, I completely... Um, took footy out of the equation, was just a normal person, um, went to a different country. You know, it was, it was just a nice sort of environment to be in. That when I came back, I was fairly refreshed. So, um, you know, getting back into footy post-third Rico was, was interesting because first game back, I tore the plantar fascia in my right foot. So, oh, okay. That's, yeah, the bo- so that, Is that the, that's the bottom of your foot, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's yeah. Um, pretty significant. Um, it's a weird spot muscle. to have a muscle. muscle yeah. Tear. Um, so the, the the theory is if you if you half tear it, it's it's worse because you obviously got a you got the pain and all that um, that's going to stay stay around. You probably need injections and um, that sort of stuff to get get up each week. So thankfully, with, with that plantar fascia, it tore straight through. So I didn't right. need surgery. Um, it was just uh, one or two weeks on the sideline, but that was my first game back post third Rico, which was, you know, was there some hearts and mouth and that happened? <laughs> yeah. Even me, because I was like, Oh no, that, like that, that felt like a serious injury to my foot <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when it happened. Lord, I, I felt, felt something pop. You must have, you must have thought you were cursed at that point. Just, Oh yeah. I was like, Oh God, he's an odd, but that, that's all right. Um, once I heard one or two weeks, I knew that uh, after that I could, again, um, come back into the team, Box Hill, of course, um, and make an impact. And, and that's what I did. I was fairly close to um, actually playing in the ones, I think, uh, at one stage. Um, but unfortunately, towards the latter end of, of that season, I just had a few little niggles and, and they thought it was best just to not put that knee at risk. Um, so come, come the end of that fifth season, um, I think there was a... There was an understanding, um, and, and this is probably um, the best way to explain it. Look, 
AFL's a business industry. Um, I'm taking a spot on the list and, you know, a year and a half of footy for a five-year return, um, you know, it isn't, isn't the best. I was on the list for five years. I gave them one and a half years of playing, even though I was a good fellow around the club and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that's what they remember, don't they? They remember how you probably yeah. carried yourself off it. That's where your legacy stands. Right. Well, I was probably taking up a spot on the list for, for a young fellow where, you know, they could play every day, oh, every week. And, um, I was pretty understanding. It, it was really, it was a really respectful exit meeting. Um, Clark Owen, um, welfare manager, Jason Burt, we were all left on hugs and stuff and it was, it was just really nice. And, you know, Clark Owen, I remember Clark Owen saying, um, just the way I went about rehab, I think if, you know, if I went about it that way, just in general life, I'd create my own luck and I've sort of held that mantra um, moving forward. So, um, as you touched on after that, I went to Collingwood VFL for a new start. Yeah, so then the Collingwood, so the exit talk happened with Hawthorne. And this this actually is interesting how Clarko said that because I couldn't echo that sentiment more by by the sound of how you attack rehab and the person you maintain to be and probably develop to be. I think it's really tough. I think it's really tough to carry yourself that way when you when you've got a long injury every day. Like to be consistent with that, there's no real trophy for that. There's no real award. There's just you know the tap on the back here and there from the physio or the rehab people and maybe the the senior leaders or the coach every now and then to keep you going. But people don't understand that's a real character building experience and the fact that at that point you'd gone through your third and you'd had an exit meeting and in your mindset you were still hungry to play footy and still get more out of yourself, I think uh, just, just awesome in general. So can you, can you give us some perspective of how you went through from the exit meeting into Collingwood and why you thought you still had more to give um, following, I guess, yeah. four or five years of not um, playing? Yeah, you're definitely spot on with, um, you know, funnily enough, my, my time at Hawthorne was you know, fairly injury riddled. But if I had my time again, you know, th- th- those are significant moments where, you know, shaped me into the person that I am today. So I um, wouldn't necessarily say I'd change anything, really. I'm pretty proud of the person that I am. Look, I'm not perfect. I, I still make mistakes. Um, and-, and I think they're-, they're pretty important lessons learnt. Um, but, yeah, I- I'm pretty pretty happy and proud of my overall career at Hawthorne. But, yeah, going into... Um, the Collingwood VFL, you, you touched on me still being hungry. Yeah, I, I still felt like I had a place in the AFL system. So I um, reached out to a few footy clubs uh, in the off-season, seeing if there was any interest. There was a little bit of interest, which was nice, because reality was when I did play, it was, it was good quality. Um, right. Even in the twos, and they understood that uh, Hawthorne was still a fairly stacked team and, and hard to break into. So, um, Was that the, what kept you going, I guess, because you had a – a really good kind of season at Box Hill as well. That that sort of yeah, year you kept playing. Responding sort of the feedback I got from a couple of clubs saying, "Look, if you can get through a season, we'd sort of consider you. Um, we just need to see some continuity and be able to trust your body." Um, and, and I was completely understanding of that because I was on the front foot with with approaching the footy clubs, you know, giving them the phone call, um, sending them letters. You know, a bit of an unorthodox way to put my name up, but. It, showed that I was pretty keen to continue an AFL career. Um, just wasn't meant to be through the drafts, and, and that's okay. Like I said, I got some feedback on, you know, potentially um, extending my career if I was able to, you know, perform um, with some continuity. And 
Uh, I felt like Collingwood was a really good home for me. I, I had some some friends there, had some um, pretty good relationships there as well. Um, and I, I decided that was pretty seamless. So my transition from footy into work as well, um, decided to take up a mortgage broking job at a firm in the city. So that was, um, the logistics of it made, made a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, obviously Collingwood train at the Holden Centre. Um, you know, after work, just go to training and, and then go home after that. At the time I was living in Hawthorne. So um, all, all within sort of a similar precinct. Right. Um, so you so became, thinking, that's a kind of a, a semi-pro in that sense. I mean, you're working, you, you've got the, I guess the, the working full time into the footy after hours. Yeah. And, and that was a really different side of it. So that, that's probably something I didn't appreciate before with the, you know, the VFL players at Box Hill when I was playing with them on the weekend, you know, right. they slog out, they slog out, you know, six to four o'clock trading hours or whatever um, working hours they do, whether they're working in an office or working in trade. Um, and then going to footy training, it's just like, wow, these are, these are huge days. Then they've got the coach to, to give them the nerve to say, put your head over the footy. Amazing. You couldn't blame them you know, with, with some of those training sessions if they were a little tired, especially in pre-season on the 40 degree days. Yeah. You know, they've just been working all day. It's just like, oh God. Um, but it gave me a, a different perspective in footy. Um, I know that uh, I learned to appreciate it a little bit more because it was an outlet from work. Um, whereas before I saw, you know, footy as my job and sometimes a bit of a grind as well, um, especially being in rehab for so long. Um, this time I felt like footy was my outlet. So it was completely different. Um, mm. I started to really enjoy it again, sort of brought me back to the days of, of being a youngster where, you know, after school you go to footy training. Right. Um, and it was really enjoyable. That's uh, so. What were what were how, how long were you at Collingwood for? And I guess was it a similar situation in in how yeah. you did ACL four and five to the previous ones? Or were they? Yeah, it was. Um, unfortunately, it was. Yeah, my, my injuries followed me to Collingwood, which was not ideal. Um, but you know, I felt like I made a a fairly good impression at the footy club. Um, I came there knowing that um, you know, I wanted to play at a certain standard, but also that I wanted to have a, a fresh environment and start again, um, you know, hopefully with no injuries. But that wasn't the case. Um, my first season at, at Collingwood, I went down, I think, in the third game or something. Um, right. The first quarter, I knew straight away that my, net, my knee just gave way a little bit and it was just a little bit uncomfortable sort of similar to my first knee where I didn't find out till Monday. So got the scans and you know, broke down after that because that one, that one hurt me because that, that sort of confirmed the fact that look, AFL is probably not going to be likely anymore. Um, and, and that was probably the first time where not necessarily self doubt. It was more, okay, I'm not interested in playing um, this, this sport anymore. It's, you know, it's, mm. it's bringing a lot of hardship into my life. A lot of, emotional and mental stress taking a huge toll on me um at, at the time i was 25 i think um you know i shouldn't be going through this at 25 so and then i had had the added layers of how am i going to go to work from you know in a knee brace or on crutches and that sort of stuff so it's a different perspective once you're out of the afl system you don't quite get the resources that you're used to so um was, I, 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 yeah no i was gonna say what was what was your headspace like uh, yeah, I sort of just parked my career for a bit. Um, 
I sort of at the time I was like, no, I'm, I'm done. Um, but I, I was more done with done with the injury. I was just like, I'm very much over it. Didn't want to. Um, didn't necessarily want to put a timeline or an expectation on on you know. Obviously, I needed to rehab this thing again. Um, I, I was understanding that. Look, I, I definitely want to get a reconstruction again because I'm too young not to have an eight an ACL in there. Um, mm. So I decided to get another reco, which meant another 12 months if I wanted to play again. But I didn't necessarily put that as a priority. I just wanted to make sure that I got my knee right. Um, still use the facilities at the Collingwood Footy Club. They were really good to me, allowing me to use that and, and get physio when I could. Um, but a lot of it had to be independent. So uh, a lot of the rehab and a lot of that stuff, even though I had a rough sort of idea of what I needed to do, and I still touched base with some of the rehab facilitators at Collingwood, um, Ben, Ben and Sam, um, a lot of it was, uh, there was a lot more unsane stuff. So obviously I was going to work nine to five, mm. wasn't necessarily going to training every night. Um, so I had to make sure that I was doing the rehab, um, obviously in my own time because VFL, you know, it's usually a Monday, Wednesday, Friday type setup, whereas AFL is, you know, the, every day of the week. So right. I can get those resources. Completely different landscape, but um, I sort of found a way to um, get through the initial part. The, the initial six months were, were pretty tough, more so mentally, because I didn't really felt like didn't really feel like I was was satisfied with you know ending my career in that sort of way. But I was really happy that I transitioned into a into a job that um, wasn't going to leave me necessarily um, completely uh, financially stressed, if, if you know what I mean. I, I still had another avenue to make some bread and, and put some food on the table. Um, it just came to be that after a few months, you know, Collingwood AFL team, um, after the season, tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I wanted to be their runner. So I felt yeah, like that, a, that was probably, yeah. That's a, a unique kind of outcome considering, I mean, you've had uh, the the weird, a weird journey in the sense of a lot of heartbreak and tr- wanting to play games and then, you're probably the one way you thought you'd end up on the field the most. <laughs> um, and that's exactly, that's exactly how I saw it. Part of it was, you know, all this running would be really good for my rehab. So that, that's good. Get some conditioning in the legs. Um, the other part of it was, you know, once upon a time, I felt like being on an AFL ground was so foreign or so far away. Sorry. Um, Next minute, I'm, I'm running out there every weekend amongst, you know, 44 other players that are on AFL list. So I'm out there. Um, wasn't necessarily the how I dreamt of it, but I was definitely out there. And it yeah. was um, such a unique experience, something that I really loved and something that I really embraced. Um, and, and subconsciously, you know, just being out there built my passion again to wanting to return to play football. You know, never thought of, Wanted to play footy again after Rico 4. Next minute, being out there every weekend on AFL landscape, I wanted to play again. I was going to say, did, is that what refreshed you and reinvigorated you? Because I, I I, mean, I know people who have packed it in after ACL 1 or 2. And for you to come back after 4 and, and go, well, still, that's not going to phase me. I'm going to go back again. I was keen to understand what the hell made you kind of want to do that and it's was was it running for Collingwood through that sort of period yeah. gave you that lifeline 100 percent. so um so just touching base uh touching base back on the initial um rehab for the fourth Rico so that first six months 
Um, pretty good insight was I, I again planned a trip away. Um, this time, obviously, you know, outside the AFL system, this was just going to be a holiday for me. Um, but I had a certain thing on my bucket list that I wanted to tip off, um, and that was snowboarding. So I, I, I booked I booked a trip to Canada, and I had mates that were living over there, working over there at the time. Um, so when I first did my fourth ACL, you know, I caught up with my mates um, at a pub and said, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you over there in six months." Because that they were moving over there in a couple of weeks, but I'd said I'll meet you over there in six months. I want you guys to teach me how to snowboard. It's on my bucket list. That's what I want to do. That's I was being real stubborn about it. Um, but my whole rehab for that six months was based around okay, how can I snowboard? You know, so that it, that that was refreshing in a way, wasn't it? So well, I was a great way to do it. Yeah, I wasn't rehabbing to play footy again. I was doing all these balancing things and. Um, doing all these circuits and different um, rehab uh, routines and, and techniques and everything um, with, with Ben, who's a good friend of mine now, the Collingwood VFL rehab facilitator, um, and, and just all around snowboarding, um, which was fantastic because when I, I felt so refreshed that it was just a different avenue or perspective on rehab. So I wasn't thinking about footy. I had this huge carrot of being in Canada for a month with the idea of snowboarding uh, with my mates. I think that that was pretty exciting to me. Uh, and then when I got back, we, we had that running uh, opportunity come up. So that, that was again, a, a different and, and pretty fresh view on um, doing rehab and, and building my passion for footy again. But that was definitely, definitely the main aspect of me wanting to play football was just being out there and, um, you know, missing the game, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, it's like you, you reverse engineered the typical ACL rehab by jumping on a, a snowboard and going through the Alps. I don't was, know if people recommend that. I went over there, actually. Yeah, I learned how to snowboard. It was, it was not an issue. I wasn't even thinking about one knee or anything. Um, that's yeah, I was, I was pretty, that's, that's pretty at that point in your life, that's the kind of rehab you need. You're not going to go on the exactly gym five right. nights a week. Yeah. I'll do my rehab in the snow in Canada. That's how I'm going to get through this. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, in a way it really helped my mental as well. Like, I just felt like if, if I did, if I didn't go to Canada or, or had that carrot um, and, you know, I was really thankful for my, my friends, Justin and Elke being over there and willing to have me for, um, you know, and teach me how to snowboard and everything. Um, but yeah, if I didn't have that carrot, like I would have done six months of you know slogging out a nine to five and then trying to find another way to you know, do rehab. So I probably would have been in a really poor headspace for a while. So look, it was pretty unorthodox, pretty different. Um, and I didn't really plan on it. It was pretty spontaneous as well, but something that I think um, I, I reflect on now and really thankful for that I, that I did. Yeah, man. What a, what a beautiful experience that would have been. So then you, you've kind of had this running experience at Collingwood, a, a bit of a unique way to introduce yourself back into the AFL scene. Um, and then you've gone, you've gone again for uh, wanted to have another crack with the VFL system and get yourself ready again. Um, yeah. So, what yeah, so was, thankfully, um, thankfully when, when I returned back on the field, uh, I was touching on before, well, when I returned to playing footy, my mindset's very set on, okay, I've got a standard that I want to play at. Um, 
and I want to impact right from the start. So when I when I returned to playing, I really didn't feel like I missed a beat, which is you know not being overly overconfident or arrogant or anything. I I just felt like look, I'm I'm ready to go, um, and this is how I play. So thankfully, I could I impacted most games and, and contributed to the team and um, felt really um, valuable to to some of the um, outcomes to, to some of the games, which was which was really nice because, um, you know, I hadn't played footy in a while and, and you know, getting some team wins and, and being amongst, amongst the boys. I hadn't played a lot of games with a lot of those fellas. I just, you know, created friendships really off-field. Um, yeah. But it was good for them to experience me as a footy player as well because that was the whole reason why I came to the footy club. Right. And then, yeah, became a runner um, again throughout the Collingwood final series. Um, obviously had that um, moment in the grand final, which was, you know, another challenge and another hurdle, which, you know, something I never planned on. And it was a bit of a sour note to... I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. It's absolute bullshit that anyone even puts a spotlight on you in that situation. How is the bloke going to get near the footy? I saw, and, and for context, I'll, I'll speak about this because there's a moment in the grand final between Collingwood and West Coast. It was a pretty critical point in the game where I think a Collingwood player in the back back 50 was, uh, I wouldn't say shanked it, but he, he wasn't going to kick it there, is my opinion. It seemed like he was looking elsewhere and it's come off the side of his boot. And then you've kind of not not made contact but you've been in the line of uh one of the collingwood players who was running where the ball was going to be marked or intercepted by a west coast player um yeah it's just, just a surreal series of events really so as a runner i've got a job to to do out there and deliver messages me personally at the time i really didn't think i was in any position to receive the football you know what i mean or, or be um, yeah. in a position where the football was going to come my way um, next minute, you know, I see this football, literally, I look up and I see this football coming at me, which was, you know, a nightmare, really. Jesus, so, I think it has this. Yeah, as runners, we're sort of told just to run in a direction if you're ever in the way of things. So, mm. that's what I did. I just sort of picked a direction. Unfortunately, I crossed paths with Jaden Stevenson and um, I don't, yeah, I think, I don't really think it would have impacted the mark. But look, it's one of the great unknowns. But um, yeah, I after the game was something that I'd never experienced before. So look, a lot of blame on myself and, and that was, you know, me, me just being me. Um, In the moment, right? Just, yeah. Yeah, exactly being right. Critical. I think that's, yeah. that's a pretty normal reaction. I was really thankful for Bucks and the um, Collingwood Footy Club for, for um, obviously putting their arms around me and, and giving me a lot of support along with a lot of their supporters as well. Um, but yeah, the tirade and the, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad that there's a notion now, um, especially this season, um, last season as well, to call out that behaviour where you know, online bullying and that sort of stuff. Did did that uh, follow after that? Was there was yeah, there a period yeah, of so, that kind of abuse? It was it was just really um, it was a lot to deal with with the you know the death threats and you know suggestions of suicide and all that sort of stuff. So it's, again, nothing nothing that I dealt with before, um, and probably something that was pretty foreign at the time as well. So like I said, there's a really good notion now to, to call that behaviour out and, um, you know, try and stamp that out of the game. Uh, at the time, I felt a little bit alone with with having to deal with that, which was um, really tough. So that was probably the hardest part, um, probably mentally throughout my footy career. I'd never, 
dealt with you know so much you know, negative negativity and and just my own my own thoughts as well were, were pretty pretty sour i was in a really bad headspace for a long time after that um but you know i found a way which was which was good and being a lot more open about the about the situation now as well open mic was a really good opportunity for, for people to get an insight into what that was like for me yeah yeah because did, did I, you I, help I, around that period were you, were you talking to people did you get off yeah social? i, I was uh I, I was pretty um kept kept a close close-knit group of friends i suppose but mainly my family um but for a couple of weeks, I was, I was closed up inside, and I, I didn't really want to see anyone. Mm. Um, but, you know, again, is it a normal reaction? Not, not necessarily, but I um, found a way to deal with it. And um, I, I think it's, it's, again, one of those moments that sort of helped me sh- shaped into the person that I am today. So um, we all face adversity, mate. And that was just a, a curveball from you know, destiny that I couldn't really see coming. Um, but, um, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. So I just got to, I learned to deal with it, accept the moment for what it was. Don't, I, I never, I never um, pushed it aside or, or ignored it. I just learned to you know, accept it for what it was. I think as people um, in everyday life, we, we either learn to survive or surrender. And that's like a little, little saying that I live by as well. Um, and I just learned to survive with that moment, um, make adjustments, um, and move forward that's um one thing i you've mentioned and I, I picked that up on open mic you said it quite a bit accepting the moment for what it was which is i think a really hard view to stick by uh, for, for me just to get contact with my soccer career i struggled to accept the situation of not playing like at the top where when i was a young kid and, and thought i should be whereas i think you've got a really um calming perspective on really challenging periods that the, again, the average person would really struggle with to have that perspective of, well, it is what it is and life will go on and, and kind of look at it as in a glass half full um, perspective. It's pretty unique, mate. Yeah. That's a, it's a little bit of my personality as well. I touched on before. I'm not perfect either. So I have had moments where, you know, I've disappointed other people and let other people down. Uh, but again, they're probably moments that, I've accepted and um, learned to deal with as well. Um, it's a pretty broad term to accept the moment for what it was. The way that I see it is, um, you know, it's it's just another challenge or, or chapter of adversity in your life. I think um, if we were to think of our lives being fairly smooth sailing, then we're being naive, aren't we? So right. it's just another challenge that that's provided to you. If you can learn to deal with it and, and, you know, face it front on, I think you're going to be a better person having gone through it. So that, that's something that um, I was really accepting of from an early age as well. Um, but again, I, I, have, I do have moments where, you know, I, I get challenged and it does take a little bit longer. Like that grand final, it does take a little bit longer to, to get over. But, well, that's, you know, a, that's, I mean, yeah, that's real stuff. I mean, death threats and um, yeah. Yeah. That's, provoking suicide. I mean, that's going to challenge anyone. That's not... yeah. <laughs> It's just something I wasn't expecting. That's all. And a lot of these, a lot of these adversities and challenges, are, you know, they come from a blind spot. So, right. um, if, if you saw it coming, you'd probably prepare for it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, so yeah, unfortunately, with adversity, injuries, um, 
challenges in life, they're, they're pretty unexpected. So I think it speaks volumes to the character, the way you sort of rebound and, and respond to it. Mate, definitely. So I want to get into this last rebound, I guess, that you went in um, and the experience of, okay, the, I've gone through this again. This is ACR number five and this is it. Can you lead us up to that moment? And um, is maybe it's, a, it's, it's probably harder for me to talk about than it is for you because I feel like you, you've accepted it and, and you've, you've been through it. But what was that whole experience like again? Yeah, so ACL number five, that was, that was just a strange, eerie moment, really. So just by chance, it happened to be against Box Hill at Box Hill Oval last round of the VFL season. Um, you know, pretty pretty unique circumstances. You know, two footy clubs that I've played for over my AFL VFL career. Last quarter, um, again, probably a scenario that had no fault on mine. I didn't really do anything wrong, um, and it was very much a footy moment where I just got hit in a certain way. Unfortunately, my knee crumbled underneath me, um, but that was probably the the only ACL where I was like, um. No, first, first thought was, oh, I don't want to play ever again, and um, I'm, I'm, you know, and, and that was probably a way of dealing with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was finally a little bit of a weight off my shoulders. It's just like, okay, this rehab, I actually don't need to think about playing footy ever again. Um, I can actually commit to the next chapter in my life, um, no holds barred, with no, no real thought of, of footy, um, and it was, you know, footy had been such a huge part of my life since a kid through to a teenager yeah. uh, as an adult, um, you know, from fun to business uh, as a job. Um, uh, to finally let that go, it was you know, breath of fresh air in a sense, but obviously it took a little while to get over. Um, but I, I, was, I was really comfortable with the decision of, of hanging up the boots, so to speak, and, and moving on with the life. And, and um, I, I don't have any regrets about, you know, not wanting to play footy anymore. I, I still feel really satisfied about not pl- wanting to play. I, I don't even have that desire anymore. I can finally go back into a position where I can be a fan, you know, get, go to, obviously not now in 2020, but hopefully in the future, you know, go, go to an oval, have a beer with my mates and, and you know, cheer on a, a footy team. Yeah, um, start abusing going. the players, get, give them, give them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but I actually think... Um, I guess just, yeah, the, the period of that acceptance and, and you kind of get to this point where you maybe got it on, on ACL five in that moment, because uh, you've probably been through quite a bit where you were like, well, the AFL journey is over, the footy dream's slipping away, but it's quite liberating when you can look back on these really difficult moments after accepting them and knowing that actually I might not change that now because I might not be as well, uh, well-rounded as I am right now. Uh, and I reckon you're in that place, aren't you, where you're just looking back and you probably wouldn't, yeah, I'd take uh, 50, 800 AFL games if I could, but at the same time, would you be the same, Alex? Would, would you are now? Maybe not. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, those moments shape me into the person that I am today. Um, I, I wouldn't take them back necessarily. That sounds really stupid. Uh, yeah. Would you take back your five ACLs? I don't see them as five ACLs. I just see them as five moments in my life um, where I was you know, dealt a bit of adversity. Would I take them back? No. Um, would I change anything? Not necessarily. I just feel like um, you know, it's definitely shaped me into the person that I am today and I look forward to, to moving on. You know, that, that fifth ACL, I, I you know, 
took the risk of starting a business. So I was already transitioning into a different chapter of my life um, without really consciously, you know, committing to it a hundred percent. Whereas now I can, you know, really delve into that and, and put a lot of effort and, and time into that and being the best mortgage broker that I can be um, and still take moments and experiences and, and lessons learned from my AFL and VFL experiences try and translate as much as I can um, circumstance wise and, and experience wise and, and make um, little links where I can, um, you know, take the lessons that I learned from, from those sort of moments and, and, you know, bring it to the forefront as a mortgage broker. I think that's, that's something that I'm, I'm working on and something that I, I really pride myself on as a mortgage broker, being really empathetic and understanding um, having gone through so many um, challenging times. Yeah. Cause it's funny. I think the innate qualities that come with a, a sporting athlete is then your next ventures in business or anything. You, you still got that competitive edge and that belief. You, you still kind of want to be the best you can be. And I think that's what people overlook. So I'm excited to see how you go on that journey. And I think one of the things I was wanting to mention for the listeners and all the budding footy players and sporting people out there, no matter where you're on your career, Alex um, has a, a blog up on his website, which I think is at fortitude.com. Yeah. So it's uh, morefortitude.com. Um, Fortitude's a bit of a play on words with the number four right. in it. So there's some blocks in there that you pretty much talk about this, what we've done in this podcast, but you've, you've written kind of a journal on all those experiences. Um, yeah. And they're pretty enlightening and pretty powerful. And, and there's actually this one, um, bit of a passage here that I, I wanted to read because it's pretty, um, I think the way you write was pretty impressive. And you mentioned here, having worked hard towards a lifelong dream, I was quick to realize that it is very rare for things to fall into place exactly how you picture them. My journey so far has been one of repetitive pain and anguish, but ultimately I hope it is one that depicts perseverance and positivity for those that have been or are currently going through situations that are similar to mine. In times of hardship, there can always be some sort of silver lining found. This is my story. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, mate, it's pretty pretty impressive story, Alex Woodward, and we're, we're really happy that we could have you on, mate. I think it was an awesome conversation that probably was very educational for a lot of people out there to understand your side uh, of what those challenges are, but you know that it's not doom and gloom um, when the tough times come. So, mate, we really appreciate you having you on and... Um, you know, some, something we would love to have back on for sure and, and hear how you're going in, in your new venture. Amazing, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolute pleasure. Um, really grateful and uh, really appreciative that you wanted me on your podcast and I really enjoyed it. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details.